Welcome to Pop Culture Retro, which was recently voted the 15th best podcast by the residents of the Golden Years Retirement Community in Boca Raton, Florida. Each show, we'll revisit some of your favorite pop culture memories with insider and outsider perspectives. Now, please help me welcome your hosts, Ike Eisenman and Jonathan Rosen. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Pop Culture Retro. I'm one of your hosts, Jonathan Rosen, along with Ike Eisenman. And today we are thrilled to welcome a singer, songwriter, lead singer of the Wigs, and also a member of the 80s group, the New Monkeys, Marty Ross. Marty, thanks so much for joining us today. I must be in the wrong room. <laughs> is, this, is this the right place? Okay. Yeah, this is right. <laughs> okay, we, so yeah, we've been trying to take you on for a while. So yeah. we've already had on Larry, we've had on Dino. So yeah. I want to say that first, you know, I'm a big fan of the new monkeys and it's been so much fun to, for us to get to hear the individual perspectives yeah. and, and we'll get to them. But first I want to start by asking you, uh, I read that, you know, you grew up in a musical family. Uh, your mother and uncle were singers. Yeah. My mom and uh, my mom was a folk singer. She was a really, uh, she was a really, really talented, talented lady. And uh, my uncle Bob was, uh, uh, they're, well, okay. They're from, place called Hereford in England which is mm -hmm. which was in the 60s was a place where there was a lot of musicians that were coming out it's the west western end of of England specifically Ross on Wye but uh, my uncle played bass and guitar and uh, was was fairly very successful in bands as his story was uh, pretty cool because he was uh, he was in a band called the silence and the silence actually became Mott the Hoople, which was a big band in the 70s. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, my, my grandfather on my mother's side was a uh, was an Air Force band leader and used to lead oh, the wow. World War I, uh, used to lead the World War I flyers when they went off. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then when they come back, it's... <laughs> Oh, the three my. out of ten planes came back. That was my oh, great great grandfather. My great great grandmother uh, moved to L.A. in in 1868 from uh, the Irish famine and became the first piano teacher in Los Angeles and indeed the first teacher of music at USC. Started the school of music there and became the oh, dean wow. of the music school of music in 1884 to 19 uh, 1891. And so I do have yes. A bit. My sister, uh, my sister is a wonderful singer. She's she's the best singer out of the bunch, but she's she's very shy. Not like me, of course, which is one of my faults is not being shy. But... Yeah, that's clearly obvious. So obviously, the, the, you know, music is in. It's just it's like in your blood. When did you start developing um, your own talent for music? Well, when I first had to start making music, uh, making money, that was when I first realized that mu that music was for me. You know, being poor and broke and str struggling, and that was the life for me. But in actuality, it was about three or four years old. Five, I was already a musician that <laughs> my mother and father were aghast at. You know, oh no, he's going to become a musician. <laughs> It, it, it was so obvious that it, it's always been it's been what I've been doing for my life for my life 
So, you know, mm. I was encouraged until about 15 and then dad said, well, that was fun. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd do music, dad. I said, well, you know, uh, <laughs> it's a really tough business. I could not imagine starting out in life in any endeavor in this day and age. I, I, you know, with the cost of everything and, you know, if there's no middle income jobs anymore, they're all, it's, it'd be impossible. I used to be able to play out and in bands and stuff and be able to support myself with a road crew, a, a truck, a, a van, be able to stay in hotels, uh, uh, feed myself. This was a full-time job when I was 18, 19 years old, because you were able to do that. And you weren't signed. You just went out and you went on road tours, uh, all the clubs in the Midwest where I went. And, and uh, it was possible to do that. I don't know how people can, in, you know, it's almost as if like, if I was to go out and do the tour now or do something, just a, a tour and I'd go on play and I'd, I'd say to myself, this is the same money I was making in 1980. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I make three, 400 a night, you know, I mean, and you know, back then nowadays, if you can make a hundred to two hundred on a gig, it's really lucky. And you, you you know that if you're on the road, there's no way you can stay in a hotel. Well, one that isn't go by the hour. <laughs> yeah, well, those kind of motels, you know. Yeah, you've got to have the keys back by us by four o'clock. <laughs> no, true. Uh, but uh, I mean, so many people now do it like you know, YouTube and you know, TikTok. Are they putting out their uh, music? Trying to be uh, go yeah, that TikTok. way. My song's only ten seconds long. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you you went. I mean, you grew up in so many different places. I was reading you, you were in the states. You were in England and Spain. Yeah. yeah. So was it was that was that yeah. difficult moving from place to place and learning different cultures? Uh yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, what was interesting for me was living in a small town. I I I was born in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, my dad's side of the family was from Southern California. Uh, he moved to get his first teaching job in Denver, then Rockford. Then he taught in England and, and did some work in Spain and uh, the, on a sabbatical. And we did a lot of traveling. And I, I, I knew the one. I didn't really know how small of a town I'd been in, living in Rockford, Illinois, uh, until we went to go live in England and then in Spain. And then I realized that I had this amazing gift given to me by my dad, unbeknownst to him, was that I, even though I'm Caucasian, even though I'm a white guy, even though this is living in England, I was an American and therefore I was one of only two, my sister and I living mm. and going to the, the middle school that we were at, which is high school in England. And it was rough because, you know, we were the, uh, I was the uh, immigrant. I was the, I was the, uh, I was the minority. Mm -hmm. And it was just really strange every day getting teased and hassled and bullied by, you know, uh, people all over in, in that school because I was an American and they were enormously jealous of the Americans. And so that, you know, it, it, it was, uh, it was one of those things to have a kid. I was 13. 14 years old, my, my sister was 12. And uh, coming back after I've spent all my time in Spain and going to Italy and going back and going back to Rockford, Illinois for my sophomore year in high school, I had at one point before I'd left be, was a very, very shy person. I, I was, 
and when I got back, I was just over the top. I couldn't, I couldn't stop because I've been everywhere, man. <laughs> I, you know, uh, as the Johnny Cash song says, yeah. uh, I, you know, I, I, I had been everywhere in court, you know, and they thought, Marty, you're back to school. We, we thought you were on heroin somewhere. <laughs> this was a reaction that I got, you know, it wasn't like, oh, it's, so uh, it changed me in a way that I understood what prejudice was. And, sure. and I learned to be fair to people because uh, I hadn't been treated nicely. Mm-hmm. I had a few friends of mine, my friends in England were Indians and an Indian Harjay Singh and him and I would go to places uh, and we'd get beaten up for riding our bikes you know places and stuff like that because mm. I was associated with him and stuff like that so I learned what it was but you know when I went back to Rockford Illinois I realized what a small town I'd been from and it and and what life can be really like when you're treated poorly so I make it I make it I try to make it so that I treat people all people with even foot so that's the that's the gift that that was being traveling all over the place and I think most people that do that uh that are kids get to understand that but you've been to Riverside right you've been to Riverside California I maybe not me oh I have I have been yeah well there you go so you know what it's like yeah exactly exactly <laughs> we go to a foreign country no i'm, te- I'm teasing the people no letters no cards or letters although a card or a letter would be unique i'd probably open it isn't that interesting that you could actually if you wrote a card or a letter to your to your hero they probably would go hey wait a minute what's that over there it's a car it's a fan letter wow i'll open that up because i've got 1300 to open up on facebook you know that kind of thing but that card or letter no i agree i agree so how did you how did you get into the wigs how did that come about the wigs i was playing in a band in rockford called the look and we were up madison rockford we were kind of like uh in the cheap trick family because ken animati was their cheap tricks manager and Mm. chuck toller and they were out of Madison. And <laughs> our bass player, Hal Hamer, worked for Ken Adamati, Cheap Tricks manager. So it's very odd that we had so many photos that were done to 8x10s. Very expensive, but we always had new 8x10s. We had this, and everybody that was a booker thought, wow, these, this band's really putting it to it. You know, they're, they're really serious about this. We got asked to go play a battle of the bands in milwaukee which we hadn't played before so we went to go play in milwaukee wisconsin and there was a bunch of bands playing we were on and then we went off and i i was so thirsty for a beer afterwards because i'd been so nervous that i went straight off the stage which was a very high stage and jumped off and went walked up the aisle towards the bar this is a converted movie theater and and a guy gives me the slip of paper and he says hi read this and it said hi i'm jim i'm in a band that's better than yours call me (laughs) and he he just he just left and i went oh god that's fucking that's obnoxious (laughs) that is the most obnoxious note i've ever been given in my life i but i had to like say wow the chutzpah you know i mean (laughs) so i took the note and i folded it and put in my pants and uh being the musician that I was, 
I went back home. Uh, and a week later, the look had broken up. We'd won the Battle of Ends, by the way, but we oh, broke my. up anyway. Oh, my yeah, God. But, but we broke up. We'd, that was the second battle of bands that we had won, by the way. We had won one in Madison. We won one in Milwaukee now because we were really good. But but there was some, you know, there was some shady things going on within the band that I didn't approve of. And I said, I can't be in a band like that. So uh, I won't go into it. But just let's just say that things were on the up and up with the finances. So hmm. I just quit the band. The band broke up. And I kid you not, this is the the hygiene of a musician. I was going to go out in Rockford at one point. I put on a pair of pants. This was like a month later from the, the battle of the bands. And I went and looked in my pocket and there was the note there. Cause I hadn't washed. My pants. <laughs> <laughs> this, mind you, this was after a show, right? They probably done two or three shows. And I went like this and there was a little runny ink that said, here, my band's better than yours. Call me on Jim with a number on it. And I called him. And he said, tomorrow night, we're playing. You got to come see us. Tomorrow night, we're playing at a place called the Brat Stop. And that's like just north of the Wisconsin border of Illinois, northern Illinois, north of Chicago. Like we're going, are you kidding me? The Brat Stop? And he said, no, no, no. It's the band. It's like last week, James Brown played here. And I was like, wow okay cool so so i i drove and i went to the broad stop and saw the wigs uh playing and they were really actually quite good and they asked me to come up and sing and i sang uh slow down and uh, some other larry i think we sang two larry williams songs that were covered by the beatles and and went downstairs afterwards into the dressing room and they looked at me and they went wow was that as cool as I thought it was? And I said, I think that was as cool as I thought it was. He said, you know, we should like rehearse and see what happens and practice and stuff, you know? And I said, why don't I just join the band? <laughs> 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 they said, well, cool. That saves us time asking you. So that was how I became a member of the Wigs. And the sideline to that one is that I'd go up, I had my apartment with my girlfriend and, in scenic loves park illinois which is northern northern rockford which is if you can imagine a place that's not quite as nice as rockford so it's just a, a dumpy little town but hey note cards and letters please but it, it's probably when it's really i'm gonna get in a lot of trouble with this so in any case i would drive up and go rehearse with the band and come back and drive up on friday and saturday and and then i come back and what was weird is that one weekend they said, oh, a band called The Shivers is playing. We've got to go see them. And they go, okay, cool. And I had heard of them because they were like really known amongst the musicians as being a band that's really rising, you know, one, one sketch. And so I went to this place to go see The Shivers playing. <laughs> and in the middle of the dance floor is my girlfriend dancing with this guy. Oh. <laughs> Apparently... Apparently she'd been following me after I left on Fridays about a half hour behind me and getting home about a half hour before me. And she's dating and, and, and having nefarious ways with uh, this man. Oh, I yelled God. at her and I left and I was so upset. I was just broken up. I, I, that just, I, I didn't think, I, didn't, I was so naive. I didn't know people could do that because I, I didn't know that was in the rules. Huh. And, 
and you know i didn't know so it, it was kind of i said i'm going to join the wigs and i'm going to move to milwaukee and you can go to hell and so what was weird is that years later she came to see me play and <laughs> she came backstage and i went oh vanessa how are you she said i'm fine she said can i talk to you for a second i said yeah this is when i was doing pretty well and this, I was I was doing okay, making a living, doing it fine. She goes and she looks at me. She corners me up in the corner. And she goes, "Please forgive me. Let me come back. Let me come back." <laughs> and, and, I, and I and I and I and I recur and I think about that and I think. Boy, she, she just was pretty transparent. I mean, there's no, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you were as transparent about like cheating on me as it was now asking me back. And that was the end of Vanessa. So <laughs> she ended up being a swindler in another way altogether. But, uh, you know, <laughs> her and her uh, future husband were selling that uh, $100 bottle of grape juice that like cures everything, you know, cause straight out of the old West. You know, oh like, my god you know you know <laughs> you'll see them every once in a while you'll see the miracle juice stuff and the snake oil it was like, yeah it, yeah <laughs> and it was done in a champagne bottle you know it was like so, it, so this was years and years later oh, oh that's and great I started, yeah all right so that's the wig story uh jim <laughs> bobby and and uh you know we went to uh move to la after a while and and that story fizzles out but it really doesn't before we get to uh the movie my chauffeur and get signed to cbs records and it was uh it was quite an adventure with them i mean there's so many stories the 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 stories between the new monkey stories and the wig stories are are com so completely different because when i got into the, the new monkeys the new monkey the, the guys in the new monkeys were were kids and I was a lot older. And I, I, I always wondered if I was going to do redo the producers, <laughs> you know, throw something that makes a lot of money, you know, just yeah. make sure that I throw it. I mean, it almost comes to me as a picture of the new monkeys, whereas Warner Brothers didn't get the note from the TV series, you know, make it as bad as you can. No, no, no. We're going to make an album. We're going to do a good album with them. No, 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 no. Don't make a good album. It might sell. It might do well. No, no, no. I, I obviously think that there's like some sort of conversation that might happen about, you know, <clears throat> I said, if I was going to throw a TV show and make sure that it didn't work, I would do the same exact things that I did with the new monkeys. <laughs> I, I, I would do the same. I would do exactly the same. I, 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 I would. And uh, it's interesting, but uh, you know, going from the new from the wigs to the new monkeys was uh, it was a weird thing because at the time I was a very minor but a uh, a cult figure nonetheless from some of the antics and music and the way that I was on stage with the wigs and the look. So for a lot of people that uh, found out that I got into the new monkeys. A lot of them said that I had sold out, and huh. that was and and you can obviously understand going from being in bands that write their own things, struggling to, to then going to a TV show uh, with the name with the name the New Monkeys. <laughs> and my dad gave me the best absolute advice uh, about that that anybody ever gave me. And if anybody's watching this, it's in something that you feel might not 
be the, you know, that might be something that's less than what you figured you would be in because we don't know where our life takes us. Is I did, I said, Dad, people are telling me that I've sold out, and he's looked and he went, looked at me and he said, Well, son, you you, you know you got to have something to sell in the first place, uh. which you know you got to be pretty good. You you're you know you, whatever you're doing, you got to have something to sell in the first place. Then you you know. And that, that made me feel a lot better, you know, because it made me feel valid in a certain way. So, well, you, you touched upon, upon it there, too, because we were going to ask about my show part. First of all, like, you know, how, how did that come about? Because I, I watched it this past uh, week also <laughs> and, saw, and saw you. So how did you guys get cast in a movie? Uh, well, we, uh, we were uh, auditioning for a Kodak commercial the, all the wigs were that would have been at that time me jim cushionary bobby twos and val mccallum and val mccallum's his own story but uh uh being david mccallum's son so there's a story going and meeting and his stepdad at the time was charles bronson so it was a really weird thing having charles bronson come and sit and, you know go <laughs> try that. what kind of music do you call that you punks <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what you guys are saying. I can't understand the words. So in any case, we were doing a Kodak commercial, and those two guys, Matt and Vic, and that Fresco ended up being tagged as the uh, producers of the New Monkeys by Steve Blauner, Bob Rasselson, and Bert Schneider. And so they went gave a go ahead to it, um, and. <laughs> Without really asking, I think at the time, Bert Schneider owned the, the, the name. And so it was like the fact, well, I own the name. We can call it whatever we want. <laughs> and that was, and when they did that, that really made the, the original monkeys, get, you know, that both of all of them just went, are you kidding me? <laughs> what, I mean, it was bad enough, you know, head was bad enough. <laughs> <laughs> Now to go and prove that you can do it again with just the same name and new in front of it, that would be pretty, you know. I I I also uh, did say something at the time that did did make uh, Steve Plowner laugh, and I said, you know, we can call ourselves the Wigs. That's open. No, so you had you been a fan of the the original monkeys at that well, time? Yeah. Of course, yes. Yeah. Of course, I was a I was a huge fan of them. They were funny. The show was dumb. The music was great. I was uh, born in 1957, so that gives you an idea how old I am. I'm much older than you guys. So I I uh, I was uh, nine years old. I was a perfect <laughs> age, and I yeah, I was the perfect age. I I. Yeah, I, I loved the songs. I loved the music. I mean, at the same time that the monkeys were doing their show, it was it, to be in that time zone. You're got a time zone where the Beatles are doing "I'm the Walrus" and "Penny Lane," and and the monkeys are doing "Last Train to Clarksville" and "I'm a Believer." Mm -hmm. And so, what you had with the monkeys was a respite from the Beatles growing, and you had the Beatles from 1964. You know, you you had that all over again. 
-hmm. you had that experience you know i mean i was too young for it I, I remember it but i was i was seven years old but you know then when i got to be nine and my brain grew uh you know it was just one of those things where you know a lot of the girls were into the monkeys and a lot of the guys were in the into the beatles and that was just one of those things because the the beatles had stopped being a boy band you know they had beards they dressed weird and they sang songs that were just from outer space and here were the monkeys that had a tv show that, you know <laughs> wee, 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 you know they were they were the marx brothers and and uh, they had these really <clears throat> brilliant songs but now you you had started to achieve like some level of success. I mean, with the wigs, you were in a movie, and you know yeah. you started the band. So so, what makes you decide to leave this group and join this new monkeys project that you heard about? Yeah, uh, we the wigs had been around. We were a little bit long in the tooth. We had things that were going to be happening to us, but all of that stuff seemed to fizzle away when I when I. Uh, was given a call by my then manager who said that he had gotten a call from the producers of this TV show who want me to go to the Columbia Pictures lot and go try out for the show. And I said, what's the show called? He, goes, I, he said, The New Monkeys. And I, and I went, what? <laughs> I literally went, what? He said, The New Monkeys. And I said, Oh, that's kind of, and I went, that's cool. It's like, is Mickey or Davey or, you know, are they involved in this? And he said, I don't know anything about this. It's just, just go to the audition. So I went to the audition and it was on this, <laughs> it was so rinky dink. It was in a trailer on the lot, but it was like, a, it was in the middle of a parking lot. And there was this trailer <laughs> that had, and I've said this before, but it's really, really does mean a lot when you when you know what's when you know the feeling that I had on the side of the uh, on the side of the uh, the trailer was the monkeys logo. It just said monkeys. It was a red red guitar logo, right? Yeah. With the with a marker above it that said the nuke. <laughs> Wow. So that was, that to me was, well, that was as fine of an example of stealing a copyright as I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and literally I sat down in a bunch of plastic chairs that are outside and there's all these people in line that are sitting down, about seven or eight people. And a woman, uh, uh, you know, they had an idea. There was a, uh, uh, a boogaloo shrimp from the dancing boogaloo shrimp movie and he's in line and we're all doing this and inside the <clears throat> inside the trailer i hear this <clears throat> tear up sleepy jean oh what can it mean and to, and then i got the door opens says, well fuck you too <laughs> door closes they go next oh my and i'm going what, what did they, they didn't hurt you, did they? <laughs> Is this some sort of trap? <laughs> I walk in, there's a, there's a woman at the front end of this trailer. She said, your name's Martin Ross. And you call me Marty. Yeah, call me Marty. Says, you're from the band, The Wigs. And I said, yes. And she said, okay, just want to make sure. Because we had another Marty Ross in here earlier. <laughs> 
And I just like felt, I went, oh yeah, yeah, the other one. He's doing really well too. So go in there and there's Matt and Vic, Matt Fassberg and Vic Fresco. I sit down on the tiny on a little couch. There's a desk there that's got that peeled off, you know, multi-ply plastic wood look thing. And it's like it looks half, it just looks like it just came from behind the trailer and just set up. So you're Marty Ross, and by the way, you're with the Wigs. It's how long you've been in the Wigs. You like playing music. What do you play? So, and says, what made you want to come and uh, audition for the New Monkeys? And I said, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I didn't. I was told to come here. And they went, ah. Oh. And that was it. They said, oh, okay, well, thank you. And I said, okay. I walked up, and my manager was in the, uh, in the car waiting. Come on, come over here, come on. So what did they say? What did they tell you? What did they ask? They said they asked me if I wanted to be one. Of, why I wanted to be one of the monkeys? Said, and you told them. You told them yes. Everything in the world I always wanted. I said no. I said I didn't. I said it wasn't my idea. I didn't, I, I didn't want to be one. And he looked at me. and goes, "He's the English guy. You bloody white. <laughs> what the bloody hell are you doing? That was the biggest chance you'll ever have in your own life. Do you know what that means?" You know what this means? This means the end. It's like, that was he went off on a rant, and I said, maybe you should go try out for it. That's pretty good. So he drove me back to my apartment. A couple days later, get a phone call. Hi, this is Matt. I want to tell you that you're uh, there's good news and there's kind of better news. And I went, what? He says, well, you're not a new monkey. And I go, that's the good news, right? He says, no, 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 no. <laughs> he says, but you're not not a new monkey. <laughs> I go, what does that mean? He says, well, we've decided to choose 11 people. We've got seven from New York, and we've got four from L.A. And we all want you to go to the set of New Gidget, and we're going to work out some improv stuff on the set. I said, oh, okay. And I put the phone down, and I, my then current girlfriend, I went, I might be on a TV show. Hmm. And she went, what? I, yeah, I... I I don't know. They're calling me back to be on a TV show. I've got a shot at like a TV show. What's it? Uh, is this the new monkeys thing? So, yeah. Oh, well, that'll be fun. I said, yeah, I think so. So I went like a couple days later and we all sat in another trailer, but this was like a holding tank trailer, not <laughs> one that had air conditioning or anything. It was like in the, out in the middle of a parking lot off the set on the lot. And I felt like, well, I've already had a lot of fun. You know, I get to go on the set of new Gidget, which is, uh, and then we get to go do this crap with, you know, making sure that, you know, who works well with. So I got, we did all this stuff, worked all day, sweat our asses off. I went back home. My girlfriend says, how did you think you did? And I says, I have no idea. I just was there just doing, <laughs> going with all these other guys. They take four of us and they take four of us. They all different configurations. Then two days later after that, I got the call that I was one of five. Oh, wow. And there was just, they'd already chosen Larry, Jared, and Dino, but they had chose the last guy. So I was it was me and a guy named Dean. Now, this is important. The guy named Dean didn't get the gig. Obviously, I did. But he went and went on to form a little company called Blue Man Group. Oh wow. Oh, oh, oh. Wow. So I think I think he had the right idea. I think, you know, and I always thought 
that the blue man group thing that I was up against the blue man group guy, but he was, that wasn't what he was doing, but he went and started that. And months later, I mean, no, a year later, this was 1986, 1987. I just, for some coincidence, if you take a look at my picture on the album cover, it's blue. I just don't know whether or not somebody had a joke about it, <laughs> but forever when I see a blue face, I'm going, oh, God. Uh, that, that reminds me of the guy that made the multi-billion dollar franchise. Here I am stuck on the new Monkeys cover. This is so, like, just so cruel. And that's, uh, that, that's how I got in the new Monkeys. How, how were you notified that you got the part? That they just they just notified your manager? Called me and said, Marty, you're one of the new it? Monkeys. Yeah, we need you to be on an airplane next Tuesday to go to New York. We're going to do some stuff. And and uh, we went and we were, cho we, we went to, uh, oh God, it was so, right after that, things happened so fast that you'd think you were in the internet. It was, it was, but we were physically getting dressed, this and that, combed, this and that, uh, de-loused. Uh, so that's, that's really the first time you started interacting with, with the others with uh, Larry, Jared, and Dino. Yeah, and then for a year we we would do stuff uh, mm -hmm. for from June of '86 until oh, around September, uh, July. Uh, we started filming of the next year. We went all we went filming of stuff all over that would be used on you know particular videos or whatever. We went to. We went to New York, did videos. We went to, you know, we went everywhere. We went to a lot of places. We we went to we went to uh, a lot. Of, it was just <laughs> a lot of work. It was a lot of work. Then we, this guy named Bill Hudnut had a um, improv class at ABC and a really well and respected one. And, and most people that are that are getting on now in their forties that are, are established actors ran through. Bill Hudnuts and the ABC Actors Workshop. And that's what we went through. And he did us privately. Uh, and uh, we did months and months and months of improv stuff together to the point where we were Perfect. really getting the weirdest thing. Here we go. I mean, when we get finally to the stage where we're starting to film, we were giving these, giving these scripts that weren't really funny. We thought, oh, these are just guidelines because they've had us do improv so we did improv all the time when we were trained i mean this it's exactly like the original monkeys the whole step of of wardrobe this and that here to that music but you know videos uh show of this and that the whole thing was done exactly the same way oh. and the only thing that i ever mentioned uh i i made mickey laugh one time uh i said you know we're not that far apart except i'm not trapped by fame fortune and <laughs> You know, I don't have that trapping. So I can actually go out and play any song and end with any song. There won't, oh, I'm not ending with I'm a believer. You know, I, I, I could if I want, but it wasn't my hit. I didn't have any hits. So I really can go out and do anything. It's a surprise. <laughs> well, we, we, spoke with, we spoke with the others about the problem of calling. And you just mentioned yourself of calling it the new monkeys, uh, especially at the time when the group was experiencing like this huge resurgence. So do you remember the conversations with the producers? Like you, you have voiced your like, you know, 
kind of apprehensiveness about it. <laughs> oh my God, the name was the name. Good word. That was one of the things where uh, there was this beautiful time. We were kind of innocent about it. We, you know, from the time that we got cast till the time that people started seeing the show, <laughs> there's a definite sweet spot for us. There wasn't really any hate mail or anything. It was like this whole thing. Some people didn't quite get the idea that it wasn't going to be called the new mother. It was called something else. Uh, and since it was a TV show, you know, we started thinking of it, it's, it's happening. And we're, everything we did was said, you know what? This is happening like in fast motion, just like the original guys. We want to be our own band. I mean, we haven't even gotten on the air yet. We want to be our own band. We don't. We want. We wanted to like kind of do this humor, like uh, break the wall humor. Like look at the camera and goes. Uh, you know, they really wrote this for us too, and stuff. You know, and this is. It's just we wanted to do all this stuff because we were assured that that you know. Oh yeah, it's going to be called something else. The gorillas, this and that. This. Uh, it was going to be called something else, and when when we got to going to New York city for the today show or good morning America, one of those, we did a whole thing. They introduced us as the new monkeys. It was kind of like, I was then like, Oh uh, yeah. I'm in the new monkeys. Oh yeah. Yeah. I guess. Is that going to be the name of your guys? Is that going to be the name of the band? I guess it is. Huh. And the reason why they called it the New Monkeys in the end was it was very difficult to get a TV show on independent. And they wanted it. This silly thing. Steve Blauner really didn't want to be watched by anybody. He was a maverick. He, you know, I mean, here's a guy that's from BBS, you know, Rafels and Schneider and 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 Blauner and they did five easy pieces and this and all that and mm. movie head and you know they don't he doesn't want to follow any rules and <laughs> they're thereby taking the offer from Fox was going to have their first season on eighty seven for two seasons and threw it out the window we don't need you. <laughs> We don't need Fox, this brand new network. You're not going to last more than a year anyway. You know, you're going to go under. It's, you don't know what, it, you know, that was the thing. That was, uh, so along with that, being having uh, being introduced everywhere as the New Monkeys, I just kind of went, okay, we're going to be called the New Monkeys. That's what it is. That's what it is. It, it, what, 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 what could go wrong? <laughs> Well, even the gorillas might even have been a better name, like you just said. It's like you know that would have been even might have been been great. Well, they had to call us the gorillas. One, yeah, they had to call us the gorillas one day at a recording studio when uh, I know that it was fixed. That for some strange reason, the monkeys and the new monkeys oh, were we recording ask about that. the same day <laughs> at a studio with the same drum kit. Oh. I knew that this was like fixed. <laughs> it just was so fixed. It just, you know. It, it just stunk of high, you know, it just stunk of just producer manipulation. Oh, sure. And uh, oh. Mickey and uh, Peter and Davey weren't really ready to talk to us. They weren't, they, they, they didn't know what to deal with us. You know, to us, to them, we represented 
their career and they'd been waiting for a bite for a long time and there they were at the height of their re, re resurgence yeah. and here were these zit-faced kids that are saying hey we're the new monkeys you guys are going to go to hell because we're going to kill you you know we never said anything like that but that was what their perception was these little kids were going to take our gigs away and no way were they going to and we just we walked by them at the studio. We never said a word, but, and for about, tw I mean, literally, it was like a thing from um, uh, Police Squad, the TV show where you, yeah, yeah. They, they used to do the garbage cans and they used to fire yeah. and they pan over and the other guys are firing from the behind the garbage cans. They're only six feet apart. You know that? So yeah, yeah, like, I love that yeah, yeah, so it was like we were about six to eight feet apart. It was us and them and we weren't saying we were just talking to ourselves and they were talking to themselves that's oh. what happened no never it did and i fully under i would have done the same thing i i would have done the same thing i would have never given them what i wish that i'd done but you know 2020 is whatever no, hindsight. Yeah. yeah hindsight is 2020 i would have said i would have gone to them and said you know can I say two things? One, you guys are my heroes. And two, I think the name sucks too. <laughs> so just to, so that you're aware that that we don't really like the name. And right. <laughs> and and that and you know, I was discussing this last night with my wife, one of the one of the great moments. I mean, I have a lot of bad moments about the movies, but just just let me take a minute to just say that I got a call from my friend saying, you got to go to Tower Records on Sunset. I go, why? He says, just go look. And I looked and I went, and right there next to the door was the New Monkeys album. Three albums down on, you know, they used to do them like, like right. the, at the record stores. Not only that, it was at Tower Records on Ventura Boulevard, Music Plus on Vine and Fairfax, all over this, this hub of Hollywood was the Mon New Monkeys album was up. And I was, I thought, you know, this might actually work. <laughs> it might actually work. So, you I know, my, my parents came into town two weeks later and I said, you got to see this. And they went over <laughs> to Music Plus on Vine and had graffiti all over it already. <laughs> you know, well, there's another one. We can go to another one. <laughs> oh, it was, it was, I, I got to tell you, I did enjoy the album, but... <laughs> Uh, re, you know, Rafelson, who you just mentioned, recently passed away, and you did yeah. post about about this, yeah, and that he came to direct an episode of the New Monkeys. That you posted about that on Facebook. Uh, what were some of your memories about him? He's a grumpy guy, <laughs> really grump. I mean, a very grumpy guy, and and uh, but the he was a tall man and he walked into a room. It was like, wow, that's him. That's fucking Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, okay. All of a sudden, you know, I, I did go up to, uh, it was Dino. I said, Bob Rafelson's here. And he goes, I know, man. And he's, he's upped our game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's, we're, we're, we're legitimate. We're, we're, you know, we, we felt like the kids, you know, that like all of a sudden, whereas, you know, it, so he sat down in a, in a chair and I sat down, we all sat down in chairs and 
he proceeded to interview us and we did uh, a lot of that and he he said do something that you know you want to do it, it was it was like any other session it was just him directing it was it, it i did notice that the set was completely quiet hmm. and the set was there was always there was always this red bell the bell this and that you know you have to be quiet you have to be quiet but it was really quiet because i i knew that all of the people that were working on the show were trying to okay. uh, trying to get learn learn things <laughs> from the master you know i mean trying to learn how to do this and 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 it was really really a thing of respect uh i remember when uh yeah and that was it was it, it was it was very interesting when he came to direct i i we we did do very good work that day uh he literally let us do things that were improv finally we had him come in and say do whatever you guys want to do <laughs> and of course we had been like we were we had been like four episodes into the show into the end of the series and we had been literally trained to just say what's exactly on the paper to, huh. on the script to say that we would break up and laughing at some of the stuff and the crew would laugh and they go cut there no who's laughing we'll have no laughing here on the set <laughs> <laughs> and it was like we would do some funny <laughs> things and, and I, I, I there was one there was one time when i did this funny thing with dino and well you know, it was one of those things where he had his hair so, so, uh, so tightly done with, with this hairdo. And I said, you know, as you get older, what are you going to do with the hair on your neck? You're going to clip it or make it just like straight out. And, and people just started laughing because it was like, it was like, oh, that's a, that's kind of funny. It was, and it, the, the humor of it was I lifted up the whole piece and went, what are you going to do when that hair gets stiff? When it gets big, you're going to, you're going to use hairspray on it. Hmm. And, and he said, nah, I'm going to keep it the way it is. <laughs> and it, we would do stuff. And that wasn't very funny, but it was funny compared to what we were saying in this. <laughs> so when yeah. the, when you first started hearing I mean, you heard the backlash from fans like like right away. Is that when no, did you start getting I didn't hear the, never. No, 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 no. I didn't hear the backlash. No. Oh. None of the four of us heard the backlash. We were in a we were in a cocoon bubble. <clears throat> you know, uh it was it was when it was when we, we were doing a a a, a an episode with the Del Rubio triplets called the it was the mail show and we, they put out all this mail from bags all over the set and it was real fan mail but it wasn't to us it was to the Partridge family it was to this and that it was to Davey it was to Monkey's fan mail from 1967 I mean it was literally fan mail to other TV shows because they all went to the same P.O. box <laughs> so so here it was just stacks and stacks and i noticed hey is there any is there any new monkey fan mail says, i found one over here it's to you so we found a bag and was like over to this and i and i literally read it and it was like you assholes what do you think you're doing you know and it was like wow. one piece of mail but they brought in mail and they would come and give us our morning mail in our in our trailers 
And so I'd get, you know, I'd get 10, 15 a day or something. Larry would get a hundred, you know, that's, that's what it was. But uh, one day I was hanging around with the crew and I was just having a beer with them at the end of the day. And bizarre enough, my girlfriend was throwing a party for Terry Hanratty, a former quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not the other Terry, not Bradshaw, Hanratty. (laughs) And I said, I didn't want to go to that. So I, I, I stayed around. And I said, you know, I've never been, you know, all around this place, you know, so I went, we went, it was fascinating, you know, because we were only just getting dressed, this and that, go here, you get fed here, you act here, you do this. And that was it. So I went into one place, was by, behind the uh, the set where there was the, uh, the diner. And there was a huge, you know, those huge U.S. mail ba- uh, baskets that are on rollers that can yeah. there was three or four of them that were filled with mail and it's all said to the new monkeys this and that this and that i started going opening it this had been already gone through they were already opened and somebody at this at this uh in the crew had been given the the unfortunate task of trying to find the good mail to give to the guys oh my <laughs> oh no so <laughs> Well, because this was all hate mail. It was absolutely incredible. Thousands of hate mails. Just incredible. Now, I thought, you know, when I was getting my 5 to 15 a day, I was going, hey, you know, it's a little bit, it's happening. Larry was popular. He's the, the, but there was bags and bags and bags and bags and bags and bags and bags of, you guys go to hell, die, this, this and that. You know, there were death, death threats and and fans and this and that and oh it was it was it made my stomach turn and i was think that, that was the day that the music died <laughs> and so at what point of the show is this that you're thinking that this is not going to work out at what point is this that you you realize this is about the third or fourth part third or fourth episode oh my wow uh yeah third or fourth episode the, the album was out and no yes we were shooting the album got released around the around the second third episode because i remember we were doing videos we would go do the the tv show we would get done at five or six and then we'd drive off and go do sing uh songs from the album and stuff like that that and we were doing as playing tracks and doing this and Oh my God. It's the same thing as the monkeys. I mean, like literally, except without the trappings of fame and fortune. Like I, it's, it's just, it's a repeatable thing, but it really does make sense. (laughs) So, so Warner brothers, Warner brothers made a great album for us. They, they, you know, they, they literally were serious about this. And, uh, you know, when we were in the midst of making the record, uh, Roberta Peterson kept asking me, you know, what songs do you want to do? Do you have any songs? And I said, you know, (laughs) I said, I don't have anything that's really great. I have some stuff that has been around, but nothing that's really new. And she said, well, why don't you just go record some of your new stuff with this guy named Chopin? And I go, oh, Chopin, I know who he is. He's a guy in LA that does demos for bands and, and worked for Columbia Pictures Television Music at the time. So I would, uh, I'd go over there 
and do some tunes with them. This is while their songs are being figured out for the album. And <laughs> I go back to Roberta Peterson at Warner Brothers and I have a cassette of these two songs that I, I said, there are no, I mean, I know musicians say this all the time, but this is really demo stuff. This is really, really raw. This isn't done at all. Some of the lyrics aren't there, it's just, but it's just for you to hear. And she said, I was just going to go into Lenny's office. Let's have Lenny listen to this. I went, no, no, Lenny Warrenker, the president of Warner Brothers. <laughs> no, 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 no. This isn't, this isn't how I want. I never met the man before. He's down the office. I'm with this. And I've got this kind of a half-assed demo. I mean, it's really half-assed. I mean, I, I, I will stand by that and say that these two songs were really not worthy of playing to the president of Warner Brothers. So I walk in there and I go, please, please don't. She said, ah, he hears everything. He knows, he knows, he knows what to hear. And I go, oh no. And I literally thought at that moment, this is just as we're doing about the second show, first show, second show. And yeah, so this is, this had to have been earlier than that because the show had been out, this TV, the, the album had to have come out at the same time. So this is while we're doing episodes i get mixed up because we do shoot shows and then we go record it's all a bunch of stuff but this had to have been before so before the show premiered so we're still working i walk in there and he turns around plays the cassette and it is so vile and bad it's just it's a bad thing it doesn't sound like anything that's current doesn't sound anything marketable it doesn't sound like anything that belongs on any record label and he goes like this turns around in his chair and looks at me and says I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> so to me, that was that was the end of my personal business with Warner Brothers. You know, I, and what happened after that is that they would ask me, send me songs. Which songs do you think I would like to do? And I, because I'm not going to sign uh, a publishing deal, uh, and I'm not going to be do that because the deal was so bad it was criminal. So uh, they would send me songs to my apartment every single day, cassette, cassettes, 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 <laughs> this and that. Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this, and I would listen to all of them. And I put the cassette, I put one of the cassettes in, and I started, and I knew exactly it was the freaking Wigs, <laughs> oh. and it was a song called Affection, and. I listened to this and I, I went, are you kidding me? I call her up and I say, you know, <laughs> this new demo that you sent me to buy that's got a song called, called Affection. Oh, yes, that's a song by Ken Brown. He's with us. Uh, he's with us. We, we, we're not sure what we're going to do with him, but we believe in that song. I said, well, no wonder. I'm singing it. That's my <laughs> band. We did that song. And she goes, oh, God, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. And I went, yeah. I, it... <laughs> they sent me a song that I sang on to, for consideration for me to sing on for an album. <laughs> that was the worst great. Thing that, okay, now the worst thing that happened at Warner Brothers. This is the best. <laughs> and I've said this before, but this is going to be the one that really kind of gets where are you going now? <laughs> this is, it was Christmas time in 
you know, as we all know, the holidays get celebrated all over Hollywood. And uh, they got, I, I got sent, I opened up, got the knock on the door. And I went, who is it? It's a delivery. Okay, so I got a delivery. Opened the door up and there is a basket, a huge basket that has a Warner Brothers label stuck on the side of the cellophane and a bottle of Dom Perignon and expensive cheeses from the Beverly Hills cheese shop. Oh my God, this was so far above my monetary state <laughs> at that time. And it was incredible. And I, I, of course I celebrated with it. And it was an incredible time. I felt so, you know, I, even though I was being sent my own songs, <laughs> getting sent a nice Christmas basket. Well, I, was, I had been put on retainer by Warner, by, by, by Columbia. So I was get a check every month. And so I got the check and the check was minus $300. And it said Xmas gift. They, they took, they took money out of my paycheck for oh my, my Christmas. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's show business. That's not... That is show. I was going to say that's show business, man. I mean, it's just it's incredible. It's not. It's it's not anything that you can actually absorb in less than you know. For me to try to absorb that, you know, and it it, it was strange because at the time while we were filming the show, no, but while before we were filming the show, the Jared and I well. It was like this, Jared, Dino, and Larry, I believe they all lived within the SAG rules of limb, of being out of town, Los Angeles, which means that they get a per diem and an apartment to live in and rental car. They, uh, all, yeah. got, they all got that. Well, I lived in LA. So I'm, according to the SAG rules, I didn't get any of that. Right. So I, they lived in apartments. They lived in month by month by month apartments, and I'd go over to their house, and they'd make me up a bag of groceries from the bag of groceries that they were all getting every single day, and give me food. Here I was within the band, begging. I'm really hungry, guys, and I was so thin. I swear I saw you could like put a you could put a torchlight in my back, and you'd see my ribs. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I was very very thin, but you know it was it, it was. Uh, I went to Steve Blount and I said, you know that I'm really dying here. <laughs> I'm not eating. I, I don't have money for rent. I had to quit my, you know, work. I can't play in the wigs. I can't go do all that stuff. Uh, well, uh, I'll loan you a couple grand to get you by until you start getting on the payroll. But you got to pay me back. And I thought, gee, what a nice guy. Wow. And he was a nice guy. You know, but at the time, I thought that was just really ridiculous. I that I had to borrow money from the TV show in order to be on the TV show so that I could have things to eat. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Yeah. So what, what was that? What was that talk of cancellation? What, what, how did that conversation go with you? I mean, that's even that worse. That, no, that's the worst. <laughs> oh no, that's the worst of all. That's the worst conversation that you can possibly ask me to have. <laughs> and I'm, and I, and I thank you young gentlemen for, drawing me into it i i had been in chicago i had been in chicago and milwaukee 
and I had been doing uh, promo work for the show. And in Milwaukee, it was particularly annoying because half the places where I would go would have me go to the zoo and outside the monkey exhibits. Hi, this is Marty Ross from the New Monkeys and watch our television show on WFLD in Chicago. And it would be always like in front of zoo. It would be, oh my, it God. would be like in front of monkeys. So it'd be like, that was like, you know, the thing. So I did those two things, uh, stayed with, with my folks for a bit. We were, we were off. We were off until January or February. Uh, we were finding out whether or not we were going to get renewed or not. People basically saying, I think we'll get renewed, but you know, n- n- nobody ever knows. Uh, they, th- one thing is that they need programming. So I got, I got off the plane. And when you're in Screen Actors Guild, you, there's a certain thing. You have to come from a certain place. You have to you fly first class. That's not something that's like a braggadocio thing that actors do because they have money. That's a rule. That SAG says all their actors uh, that are in SAG have to fly first class. That's just how it always has been. So I, was, I flew first class. And also, since I was getting dropped off at the airport uh, by the airplane, <laughs> uh, I got picked up by a limousine to take me back to the house, which was about 15 miles away. You take the LAX, you go to 405, you take the 101, you get off the first exit, and that's where you would go. So that's like the, that's like the SNL skit the Californians. <laughs> you take the 405, man, you go up down, you go, then you take off on the 101, you get off on Van Nuys. And, so in any case, we're about halfway the trip, and we're going in front of the uh, uh, the federal building, which is at Wilshire and a four hundred five. And the phone rings, and it's one of those old corded ones, right? This, you know, Hi, it goes, "Hey, how's it going?" Hi, and I, it, yeah, I hate to tell you this, but the show's been canceled. And I go, "Oh." Uh, we kind of knew it. Yeah. I mean, we knew it was going to, I thought we were going to maybe, maybe get the rest of the shows because we were contracted for 22 for crying out loud. Hmm. That's as an independent show, you know, but we got canceled. And he said, yeah, well, there's worse news than that. Says what? Says the limo ride is, is contracted at $320. Oh. And I go, oh. what? Says you got, you, you got a choice. I can't, I can pay for it. I can't pay for it because the show's wow. canceled. So can you get out there right there and you can get a cab? Is that okay? And I went, what? He says, yeah, right at the federal, they, my suitcase and me dumped off out of the limousine and in front of the federal building on Wilshire and Sepulveda. I had to go back to find a payphone and called up for a cab oh. to make it. The rest of it. I got dropped off. <laughs> I'm 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 just like dumbfounded. It's like I can't close my mouth over this ridiculousness. I mean, that's just in that's just in yeah. You you have by far the worst story out of everyone we've heard so far. Oh my god! Oh, they just don't remember you well. (laughs) Yeah, so you know. And, uh, of course, after that, 
trying out and auditioning for bands was very difficult. Oh my God. Because if you were forming a band, let's just say you two guys are forming a band and you found a drummer and you're playing bass and you're playing guitar and you're looking for a lead singer or a guitar player. And this is 1987 and you're just, 1988, you're just starting out. You're starting a band, but you've got great connections and everything. And they, the people sit there and say, yeah, we really like this guy. He's really great. Uh, find out more about him. And then they find out he was on that new monkey show. No bands, no band would take you in. No band oh. would. Well, because how are you supposed to say how, how legitimate are you to being a rock and roll band? If one of the guys is from the new monkeys, <laughs> a canceled hated show, you know? Um, so, you know, it, it was, I couldn't get into a band to save my ass. It was, it was pretty hard. There were a couple bands that I did do some stuff with, uh, a band called the Orchids, which was really great. Oh my God, that music is so good. The Orchids from St. Louis, Robert Coleman, and uh, we did a we did we did a couple uh, shows for uh, record company people. But it was almost as if isn't that isn't that, that guy from? <laughs> wow, that, it well it it it, it didn't it it just was. I was a pariah. I I, I couldn't oh, get a gig. Uh, well, what, yeah. what did you what did you end up doing, and how long did that? Well, apparently it didn't you? work because I'm still here. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. What did I end up doing? Well, in the long run, I uh, I ended up in 1990. Well, you know, I, I ended up getting married. That's the best thing to do. The best defensive measure. I found uh, this woman and I, uh, Doreen, we had known each other and uh, she was in the, she worked for BMI and we fell in love and got married. And, uh, and, and after that, I got some work and did, I did a lot of things. I've done a lot of things that I've, I've done for movies and TV. And uh, I did, um, uh, I did library music for a company called Reicher. Mm. Now that you're, you're part of the Wrecking Crew, I was reading. Oh, that—that's you know that's that's when everything is healed and everything gets good. <laughs> yeah, we went from we went from dirt road to cement. Jeez, <laughs> I mean uh, the so the Wrecking Crew story. Uh, my family has, we had some friends that knew some people that lived on a place called Lopez Island in Washington. And it was a great, it's, it's a great story because if you got a couple minutes or you both have, you have barber meetings or. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So in any case, uh, she invited a friend over she invited a friend over to her house named uh, Don and Don brought over a guitar and we were going to have a hootenanny and uh, we started playing. I said, do you know the Jackson five stuff? And I said, it go I think it goes like this. You know? And so I, he, he looked at me and said, no, that's not the way that that's done. And I went, Oh really? So, 
and and you would know just because it's me on the record <laughs> and i went oh and he says don P don P oh god during you didn't tell me it was don peak it was don peak from the wrecking crew and i went oh my god so he played on all the and here's this guy that you know i said so tell me your story he says well I started off playing, uh, being a guitar player for the Everly Brothers in the early 60s. Then I left that to be in Ray Charles' band. And then I started working with the Wrecking Crew. And I've, I'm on so many, uh, I'm on, you know, what, 50, 60, 70 number ones. Hmm. And he's the guitar player. And it's like, oh, my God, he's like on everything. And so we became good friends and we hung around and we would do stuff and and then uh, we came to Lopez Island again one year and his, he had a pickup band at the bar and I was taking Doreen home. We were, had, had dinner and Don said, you should come up. You should come up and play. And, and his uh, then girlfriend, now wife, Judy Pulver, who's a singer herself uh, said, yeah, you should come and, and see the band or whatever. So I went back about nine 30 at night. I, I'm tired, but, it's one of those feelings I say, you know, I think I should go back to that club. Just, just go back to the club to see what happens. I go back to the club and they, and out of the middle of nowhere, Don says, Marty Ross, you're here. You got to come up on stage and sing a song. I went, oh, no, I <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know anything that you know. So I said, do you know uh, House of the Rising Sun? He says, we don't, but we'll get through it. And so I will tell you that that's one of the biggest thrills I've ever had in my life. Wow. That what happened after that, what happened after that, and this sounds like one of those movie moments, but it really happened. There's all these people, 50, 60, 70 people that are eating their food. That's like a restaurant uh, on the shore, you know, with all the fishing nets on the wall, you know, that kind of place. So <laughs> I start singing House of the Rising Sun and I just, I just figure, hell, I'll just belt it. I'll just go crazy. I'll go and just sing the best version ever. Hmm. And one by one, the people all got up from their dinner and walked towards the stage and just all stood there looking at me with their mouths open. It was fly catching season. And so yeah. it was an incredible experience. They all just looked and I, and it was amazing after I was done singing the house of the rising sun. The place went into this 30, 60 second applause thing like out of a small crowd. You know how much harder that is than at a bigger crowd. So in a small crowd, it's like doing this going, I walked over and I walked to his girlfriend, Judy. And she said, looked at me and said, what the hell was that? My God, you're great. And then Don Pete comes over and says, I'm doing a gig with the wrecking crew in two weeks. Would you like to play it? Would you like to sing it for us, please? <laughs> and I went, why, sure. I, I'd love to, I, of course. And, and that's how that started. Uh, I started playing with them. Uh, and Don Randy, Chuck Burkhofer, some of the best uh, musicians. I mean, Don Randy, I mean, the piano player from Pet Sounds, you can't go, mm -hmm. you can't really, you know, uh, Chuck Berghofer, you know, the bassist from These Boots Were Made for Walking. And I'm up there on stage and singing, and I feel like I'm in the record. So I started doing Glenn Camp. They asked me to sing Glenn Campbell songs. And I've been doing it. We're doing another gig. Uh, we're doing a big gig, actually. We're, we're playing a theater. Yeah, we're playing another gig. Uh, yeah, where's my notes? 
not. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're playing another gig, and and it's at the El Portal Theater in in North Hollywood, and, and it's a, just been absolutely renovated and beautiful. And we're playing this theater. Yeah, and it's going to be great. It's it's I, I I love playing with these guys. But in the rehearsals, it's so much fun. I mean, I one day I'm looking on the re little refrigerator in his studio. It says, "If I were a carpenter." arrangement and i looked and i picked it up and said this isn't the bobby darren thing he says yeah i, I arranged that that's my session wow. that, and as, you know you just go all around i look at the pictures of him and you know he's sitting there explaining to sonny bono i got you babe you know and it's like it's and it is it, it, you 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 sit there and see let's get it on that wah, 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 wah. <laughs> you know just that's him and I'm, I'm going, I'm not worthy, you know, so it is an actual to, for me to go from. And not only that, but I believe that I am the first. I think if it goes right, I don't know how to say this, but as a new monkey, Marty Ross is playing with the guys that played on the first two monkey albums i don't think there's anybody else that can wow that can say that i think that i'm the only person in the world that's, that's done that you know live on stage you know the so don peak arranged more of the monkeys so and he's a guitar player in most of that uh, stuff so and and that's the guy that i'm on stage with so it's amazing. it's it turned itself around the new monkeys thing which was a disaster in so many ways, I, I I was able to find three friends that we've had for you know we're right. we're, we're friends we're we always have a joke about uh, you know about a reunion and this and that and <laughs> it's always funny because we say yeah but where are we going to play yeah so, you know this time why don't we play the originals all their songs because you know <laughs> I mean they know I mean they're people know those. You know, it's so yeah. It turned to turn it around and and play with the Wrecking Crew live and play shows. It's it's one of those things where I talk to other musicians and so great because if I say, "So hey Marty, what have you been doing lately?" Oh, I I'm singing live shows with the Wrecking Crew. That's <laughs> and they go, "What? I didn't hear about this." You know, yeah, yeah. Or it's been I can every all the musicians say I hear you I I see you singing with the Wrecking Crew that because what that does is that validates everything that the New Monkeys tried to do but it didn't work with the New Monkeys it was like it was held back as being a fault that you were even with the band by other musicians that I would tell mm -hmm. but other musicians would would say hey it was a gig you know it was whatever you know and, but to be in the Wrecking Crew. And to be seen for them, it's yeah. it's 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 it validates it validates me and makes me feel really really great to be a part of that. Well, the the others also mentioned that you're the one that's responsible for the basically the thawing of the relationship with Mickey and yeah. Know, so how did that happen? Well, that if you can get mickey to laugh and it's then then you're in it's just one of those things you know uh 
it wasn't it was it took a long time and and, and he was very you know it, i i i wouldn't like me either but uh you know it was actually almost all the responsibility you can blame jody ritson for this jody ritson is uh, handles Nikki Dolan's outside business such as karaoke and meet and greets and, and uh, has known Mickey for many years now, probably six, seven, eight years. I, I, I don't know. But she she is a darling housewife from Lansdale, Pennsylvania, who, who with with her moxie was able to get herself within a business and make make Mickey make, make Mickey uh realize income potential where there were, he hadn't thought of it before and uh she also said at one point you know mickey's going to be doing a charity at a bowling alley and i went oh and i said okay and i just said i'll give to that charity and she said, but, you know, you, you and Dino will come. And so we had dinner before the night before, and I, I put some money into the charity. And she said, is it okay if Marty and Dino come up? And he said, I have no problem with it. And that was literally, we sang Harry Nielsen songs. Who Harry and I, was, there's another thing that is really strange is that I knew Harry really well. Well. Not as well as Mickey knew, but we hung around a lot uh, in the 80s. And so there was, went to his house and wrote songs and stuff. But uh, it's, there's a lot. Uh, also, I was given a 1959 MGA, uh, a car, beautiful car. Uh, and that was the original Monkey Mobile before the Barris thing. That was the one that's the blue car that they're sitting in. Oh wow! Those, it, so uh, how can I? It sounds like I'm a creep, you know. I've got this, cre and I got the car, like yours, and and. <laughs> I mean, how 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 creepy can I be? I don't know. So in any case, uh, I haven't seen Mickey in a while, and you know, one time the last the times when I was been on stage and jammed or played with the band. You know, he trusted me, and I think this is, I think this is something that's very telltale. You don't have to tell anybody about how Mickey feels about me anymore. If I tell you that he introduced me to go onto a stage while he took a little break and I took over for him, that right, mm. he gave me his stage with his wow. musician. So that that's all you need to know. Yeah, that's great. Wow. Yeah, I, I did a joke once with him. Him and Coco do this thing because they sung together when they were kids. They, they sing these songs and they were at a Coco Dolan's uh, gig. And he went up there and they did the thing just really fast repartee, but all in harmony. All in harmony of this song that I can't remember the title, but I was blown away by how in lock and in sync they were. And after that show, we were, Mickey and I were talking and he said, I said, how long you've been doing? Oh, is that your first time seeing that? He said, yeah, I, I never, I, I, I think I've seen it before, but I've never seen it like quite like that. 
he said, yeah, oh, we've been, we've been doing that for 50 years or so, 50, 60 years. I said, <laughs> and I said, you know, one of these days you guys are going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, any possible plans to play with them again? If I want, if I show up, <laughs> you know, I, the, the, the thing that's pretty assured is that uh, he's so busy and he's just such a workaholic. And I, you know, if anybody, if anybody wants to sit there and just have a reason why the monkeys had any resurgence that have continued on the popularity, you can always, always, always say that Mickey Dolans has been out there doing this since the beginning. He never quit. He never stopped. He's been, he would directed movies for a while in England. He did things, but you know, he would do, I mean, the, the it's just him. He is such a dynamo and he goes out and he does it. And he does it. And, you know, I'll tell you the experience of going out and, and my friend went to see me. He said, uh, you know, you've, you've, you've done last train to Clarksville and, and Valerie and you've done some of their songs before on stage and I said yeah and that was in a cover band now you're in that the, the band you know <laughs> if you're singing on stage with Mon Mickey monkey songs you're not in a cover band anymore you're in the band and so that's a th that's a thrill that I always will have and I, you know being around him sure. he uh, he's always 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 just a, uh, a gentleman really really so, gentle to, so give you, me the time, to give me the time of day you know i mean for christ's sake i although i didn't try to ruin his career it all all but intents and purposes for a long time for him so, thought i meant that i was trying to take away his career or but he knew he knows better he knows that it, he, he knew that it was a tv show but what he couldn't stand the fact was that the guys that were doing the other show guys that did his show we're now doing this again the the puppeteer was trying to get new puppets <laughs> and that you know he'd worked all his adult life in preserving that that thing by playing those songs by doing those things by doing it you know mike nesbeth would come out every freaking four years for a set or two <laughs> you know as if like it made it like be like established that now it's the monkeys says no it was the monkeys because mickey made that possible for fans to be there in the first place you know it it could have been a one show a one-off show at the pantages no there was an end show there there was a continuation there was the monkeys present there was this and that it was it was mickey that 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 made all that happen I mean, it, 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 peter god bless his rest his soul and Mike Nesmith, rest his soul, and Davey, you know, I mean, it is kind of a strange thing to be living in a world where there's just one of them, but it's what happens with life, and here we are. Uh, all I'm saying is, hey, there's four of us. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, well you're, you're part of, you post about it often, uh, Monkey Mania, Mania Radio. Can you just tell what's that about? Oh, my God, this is such a great radio station. We play, I'm a DJ on this station that has great great djs and uh, wonderful it, it's be available on the live 365 app and you go in there and once you just dial in live 365 you join up for free or you can be given I, I, you join up for free and you 
uh, you post, type in Monkey Mania Radio, and 24 hours a day, we're playing monkey music, and they're playing new monkeys music, and they're playing solo stuff, and they're playing uh, all, it's just an incredible station. It has such a wide breadth of monkeydom that it is really, really fun to, to listen to because you'll find tracks and things and live cuts that were never performed, uh, never played on radio at stations before. Uh, it's really, really a fun place to be. And I recommend it for anybody that wants to get an education into the monkeys. We do play the hits, but we focus a lot on, on the breadth of the entire career of each four of them. And there's so many different things that they've done. I mean, it's incredible. I, I, I love the station and I'm glad, glad to be part of it. So you can get that on Monkey Mini Radio uh, via the Live 365 app. That's Live 365. And, and listen away. It's, uh, I'm on, I'm on uh, every day. I'm on Monday through Friday, as are the rest of the jocks. And we started off, it was kind of just such a haberdashery, throwing stuff at, at, and didn't know quite how to do it. And we did it by whoops and coughs and hips and yips. And now I go and I go and listen to it, and it's a real station. You know, it's 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 it's, it's just like the monkeys. You know, it's like a real it's band. A yeah, yeah. It was, it was. It's really really like that. How much longer is that? Do you have to? Do you, don't you? Just if don't you get a little tired of having that in your house? <laughs> Which one? The, the the new monkeys album cover. I mean, I I do not get tired. I, I it's so I sweet of you books. to have that in your kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> it's over my bed. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I mean, do it that, the album quite a bit. You so okay. Wait a minute. Now you tell me what do you like about the album? What do you, I mean, the production's pretty good. I you know what when the show came out, I was I was all into the new show because I was a huge monkeys fan. Right. Wait a minute. You're the one that got it. I, yes. <laughs> I was a huge fan. I got the album. I listened. I listened right away. It was. I. I thought it was a mistake. Even at the time, I thought it was a mistake naming it New Monkeys. But I was. But I was still all in. But the show did not give any of you service, in my opinion. And I said this because the original show showcased the others, and it showed showed them. It it showed their sides also, and I thought it was also great that they posted like you know. Uh, the 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 audition process where you get to see the people. I don't think that they gave you the same consideration always in the new show. Oh and come they on! The <laughs> they gave us every <laughs> chance in the world. I did not think that. I did not think that at the time. I, I really thought that they uh, did a disservice to the four of you. Well, so, you know what? You see the four of us together in anything like modern now, and you see how dull we are. Okay? <laughs> Why don't I, you I answer that one? I enjoy I enjoy watching the YouTube videos when I see all of you get together, and yeah, we're trying uh, so to. That, you know what? We're trying to get that. You know, obviously, that would be good to have that released in a uh, Blu-ray or whatever the the thing is. Uh, some guy found them. Uh, uh, the master, the the master, uh, the broadcast masters. So there is there is the broadcast masters, and that's the best I think you're going to get. Well, After any, any plans with the four of you getting together again to to go a show or anything? Oh, yeah. Why don't you, and I want you to be Larry. 
Yeah. Yeah. When my when my mother, I went home to see my parents, and of course, in the whole country, the only city above 150,000 people that didn't have the new monkeys on was my hometown, Rockford. Oh. It was the so my parents weren't really aware of it. So I bring home video cassettes, which aren't quite as special when you put it in. <laughs> and my mother would sit there and say, you know, when my mother asks, which one are you? I said, <laughs> I'm your son. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm Marty. She said, No, 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 Davy, are, are you Peter? It's, it's, oh my God. If it's my mother that's got confusion over this, then this is really you know, mm. I did show there was there was the time that I showed up at my parents' house in a limo, and then there was another time when I showed up in a in a Honda Civic rental car. <laughs> <laughs> so so it was it was like what happened to the sh um, first thing my dad says when I pull up in a Honda Civic, and I it was it was a yellow one. No, it was like you know one of those awful things. What happened to the show? <laughs> but my parents came out and saw me. Uh, do the, on the set and all that that was very impressive to them to go see this huge set and stuff across the street from us and where we were doing the show was michael landon productions which was like anybody would tell anybody at the new monkeys thing if you walked over to michael landon productions and see how they do their thing and then you come back over to the new monkeys <laughs> yeah <laughs> how they're oh. doing stuff it was quite a different arrangement we we had uh we, you know it, it <laughs> The thing about that picture is, out of all the pictures that they they showed of Larry, why does it look like he's not happy? <laughs> That's his cover photo. They went for smoldering. Now the monkeys produced the monkeys did an album that was in the early '90s that had these same color schemes, didn't it? Like, yeah, I believe. <laughs> did they know that our album was like that, or was this like fuck them? Is this like, is that what it was? Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I've had a lot of people saying, "And you guys stole the monkeys' album cover." I said, "No, no, no. They, this came before it. Yeah, they, the, the the minds at Warner Brothers came up with this, which is which is really." I, 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 the only frontage that I, a front to this album cover is that there is no particular one way that you can actually get an idea of what the band is. Right. You got to turn it and then turn it and then, no, wait, not that way. Not, no, it doesn't say new monkeys. I mean, you even got this one that says monkeys. Monkeys. <laughs> well, there's no sense of the fun. Now, be. I have to ask you before we let you go. Also, you posted. No, no, no. That... We're here till nine o'clock. Then we're, this... we're here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you posted about uh, you're doing songs now for a possible new album. Oh, I have a new album. It's completely done. There we go. <laughs> it's 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 ten out. It's ten songs. Christian Nesmith produced it. Oh, fantastic! And uh, uh, I wrote ten songs. Uh, actually, I wrote ten songs. Uh, 11 of them and one of them is a todd rundgren cover uh from utopia but no it's it's the it's the best album i've done in 30 years when it's the only album i've done it's, it, i haven't, <laughs> I haven't so done any album. when's this coming <laughs> yeah so i wrote all these songs and i i i, I uh yeah i i really really enjoyed the process uh, the album is 
crisp. It sounds fresh. If you like stuff that sounds old, uh, it's it's got a kind of like uh, I'm doing a series of three albums. Is my thought of this? My series is that my theory is that this is going to be an album that is all entails about the '80s and the '90s sound. This is kind of like what that sounds like. This this sounds like the '90s or the '80s, or it's just it's not that over '80s drum sounding, but it's like these are songs. They have a hook, they have a chorus, they have this and that, they have instruments, the guitars, bass and drums, and keyboards, and singing, lots of vocals. Like in one song is over 25, 30 vocal passes that I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, Christian and I worked on this pretty heavily. Uh, uh, the next album that I'm going to have after this, I'm going to do new songs that are all written in the style of the 50s, and 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 written in the style of the 50s with kind of a, a new wave, attitude to them uh the song after that i don't know what the third one's going to be but it's going to be probably more experimental music so these are a series of three albums that will thus conclude the the pain and misery of my career and (laughs) and and i and i think uh oh yeah before before i let you go oh that's that's what you guys are saying no well i want to hear when is this coming out oh i don't know i i don't care I got to have a few things done like album cover art and and distribution and Mm -hmm. and things like that. I got to videos. I got to do a bunch of stuff before I, you know, I, I, I'm going to sell those t-shirts that said, I worked two years on this album, 10 songs for everybody here and nobody listened, you know, that kind of thing. I'm not rushing for, you know, there's no need to rush for a new flop. You know, there's Tell me, tell me, how does anybody release an album now? I mean, that you know, I mean, where do you do it? Well, how do you be? How do you make yourself stick out? I, I, I have a feeling that I'm going to be doing a lot of things with uh, 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 fire and and nudity. <laughs> you know, if I could get, if I could set myself on fire and do the lip sync to the track with women stripping in the background, I might have a winner. Could, could, but, could, can you come here for the show so we could get some ratings for this? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Look, I got 961 views and all the scar tissue. Yeah. Not at all. Well, you guys, you guys have been very fair with me. I want to, I, I want you to know that, that, uh, that, that the new monkeys was a, was a trial and tribulation and also some of the most fun I've ever had uh mm. it cost me a lot it cost me a lot in terms of uh recognition uh for being a straight musical person for a long time uh but when i finally got my foot back people understand now that i that i can sing and dance <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no thank you you've been very gracious with your time i we really appreciate it and again, yeah. this has been pop culture cheeseburger, 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 and a French fry. <laughs> I'm yeah, Jonathan my... Rosen with Ike Eisenman, and again, a very special thanks to Marty Ross. And please subscribe. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Retro, where no one was hurt during the making of this podcast. <laughs>